and welcome to another bonus episode of the Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, strategies, and streamers for the casual spike. My name is Stan here in Chicago, and with me on the line, all the way from sunny Albuquerque, New Mexico, it's Gabe Maxson, or as you may know him, Spider Space. Spider, how's it going? It's it's going good. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be be on your guys' thing. I I've, I've listened to a couple episodes and I'm always like a little smirk appears on my face and they're like our friend Spider Space did something <laughs> this week. So I'm I'm pumped to actually be on the show this time. It's great to have you. You are one of those players whose names have been whose name has been appearing in tournament results for years now. I'm excited to dig into that, but it's like anyone who pays attention to goldfish or modern challenges or even leagues, like they probably know spider space. You've definitely inspired like some of the decks I've registered for events at the LGS or magic online. So I'm really excited to pick your brain on you as a player and as a competitor and hear a little bit more about what you've been doing on the content side, uh, on Twitch and elsewhere. Before we get all into all of that though, we kick off these bonus interviews with a little something called Inside the Grinders Studio. So what I want to do, just to get us warmed up, is fire off five lightning round questions for you to react to. You can provide as little or as much detail as you want. They can be one-word answers or 20-word answers. Starting with, what's your favorite Magic the Gathering card? I, uh... I really like spiral for these kind of questions. So I'm just like giving you a heads up of like, it's like, oh, it's got to be on brand. What if it's not on brand? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns here and I'm just going to go with flicker wisp. Uh, you know, I'm known for taxes stuff. I got to go with the card that just, it just does it all. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite flicker wisp line? I'm, I'm going off book right now, but that's a fun, tricky card to play with. Yeah. Uh, so it usually involves flicker wisping another flickery card. So there's this there's this great clip of me on from from Twitch somewhere. Maybe I can send it to you later. Uh, and I'm I'm playing against a humans opponent, okay? And I've got a flicker wisp, and they've got like a deputy of detention, and I've got glass pool mimics. So they've taken two glass pool mimics, and I have one flicker wisp, and there's just a series of nonsense chains that go on for like five turns where it's like, all right, I'm going to flicker your thing. These are going to come back. This is a wisp. Got to make sure it's the right wisp that goes out, comes in. And I like put that up in, in the taxes discord. It's like, all right, guys, if you want to play flicker wisp, you need to be able to do this, which of course, <laughs> like you really don't. But if you're playing the card, what, why else are you doing it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I can't wait to find that clip. Maybe we can link to it in the show notes too. But before that, we gotta ask, what's your least favorite Magic the Gathering card? Yeah, uh, I think right now, because it, it it changes, you know, based on what what's going on. Like, I, I was tempted to just be like, yeah, Lava Dart, because it's it's oppressive and all these things. I actually don't think it's true. I feel like when a Lava Dart gets me, I'm like, yeah, whatever, like it's dead, fine, moving on. The card that has frustrated me the most, I think, is is Dryad of the Legion Grove. That that card, I just. Wow. Every single deck I play, I feel like it just gets me. Like, I'll be playing a combo deck, and then my amulet opponent will, because they have Dryad, they get to get all those Valakut triggers with the Titan and kill me just before I kill them. Or I'll be playing, like, a deck like Taxes, and I'm trying to attack, and you can never attack through a 2-4. Oh, I can't bolt it either. And, oh, by the way, it fixes your mana, and it turns your lands into lightning bolts. It just, 
ah, man, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those things where it's, it's really cool. Like the concept's really cool, but it just feels pushed. And I, I'm always on the other side of having it pushed down my throat rather than being the one pushing. So maybe that's the problem. (laughs) For sure. Do you feel like it's egregious design? Like, do you think Dryad is a problematic card? Uh, or is it just I mean, a tilting card? I think it's, I mean, I don't even think everyone else gets as tilted as I do about Amulet. I think Amulet is probably my least favorite deck to play against in modern right now. Like, Eldrazi Tron's up there when, when you know, when they do like the Menage Tron thing and they're just like, <laughs> like, oh, here it is. And they like didn't like, when, when normal Tron does it, they like search for it. They put in effort. But when Eldrazi Tron does it, it's like, here it is, get wrecked. <laughs> but like, I usually beat them, you know, whatever, it's fine, I can accept that. Whereas with Amulet, I'll, I'll have these games where it's like, I feel like there's nothing I can do, and they just yeah. get me. And then it's like, oh, well, there's another game where we have a long game, and then they're like, oh, but also, you have inevitability. And I, I, everyone's always like, oh, Amulet's so hard, so tough to play. I feel like Dryad has kind of like undone a lot of that. Like, there's still difficult lines and things. But now it's just like, well, here's the Dryad, Lightning Bolt, everything. There's the Titan. Oh, I didn't have to get the right land because it all produces rainbow. So who cares? So I don't think it's egregious. It's just, I I, I don't know. I don't like it. (laughs) I feel that. I used to be in that camp where I thought Titan, especially Amulet, was a really hard deck to play. And then for that couple of weeks when um, like Tybalt and Tybalt's Trickery were legal, and there was like, I, I don't remember who actually even came up with the deck, but there was this basically a meme deck that game one, you did Tybalt's Trickery, and then game two, you cited out everything but like 56 lands and four Primeval Titans. Oh, and I, that's I, I know. I, and then I was like, <laughs> oh, this is just on rails. Titan mm-hmm. just does the same thing over and over and frequently wins on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I I did a like a, a joke stream. Sometimes I'll, I'll do some co-streams with a buddy of mine, Everos, who's doing the podcast with me and he uh he was like i, I don't want to play amulet amulet's horrible we're gonna stay away from it he and i like co-piloted it, and neither of us having touched amulet before maybe ever and it was yeah. like oh here's a four one and i'm like like i i don't know guys it was like i got blood moon three out of the five matches and i got a four one and it's like hmm, hmm. Maybe, maybe there's something going on here <laughs> all right i think i know the answer to this next question but maybe you have a curveball what's your favorite magic format yeah, I mean it's it's probably modern. It, I, I I dabble, you know. I'll I'll play other stuff every now and again. Um, modern's one I keep coming back to. I kind of there are like periods where I'll like standard, but I, I'm not really about the whole like like super hard rotation like that. And pioneer kind of went down the tubes. I do okay. Yeah. I, I I do really enjoy legacy, but I think it's more about like. I'm sick of Monastery Swift Spear, but I'm not sick of Delver yet. Right. <laughs> well, Delvers are smaller. Swift Spears, like, or at least a Delver is never attacking for four or five out of right. nowhere. Right. What's the biggest misplay in Magic that you remember? So this one, this actually kind of digs in, at least for me, there's like more to this question because I don't, I don't really hold on to my misplays. I feel like, you know, I can remember recent ones. So I'm just going to give you like the one that I recall right now. Um, there's a little bit of a tidbit story hidden in here too. So I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I talk. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's uh, what makes you a good guest. 
Well, thank you. Um, so my my brother also plays Magic. I'll just put that out there. And uh, he was he was hanging out with me one day when there was a legacy event. I, I think it was like a Mana Traders tournament, or maybe it might have been something on Moto. I'm not sure, but it was like not just a league, you know, a little bit more higher stakes legacy thing. And I was sticking to my guns. I played taxes, and I like Mulligan. It was some tough matchup, and I was like, oh, I got to keep this like landlight hand, and I kept it. And there was a Caracas in the hand. And I inevitably, like, I was didn't have my land. I top-decked a land. It's another Caracas. And I got excited, because naturally, you're like, oh, I got the land. I got the thing. And I knew that if I just played it, you know, it's going to go to the graveyard, legend rule. I'm not going to mm-hmm. get the mana. And I tried to move it. So I, like, click and drag. And I just clicked it. And it, like, went into play. And, of course, my brother's standing over my shoulders like, you shouldn't have done that. Why'd you do that? And it was just like, for whatever reason, I think when he is involved, I all of a sudden, my tilt factor just like amps up like a hundredfold because he'll say like, why'd you do that? That was dumb. And it's like, I know it was dumb. (laughs) Is your brother also a streamer? Do we know your brother? No, I don't think so. Uh, He, he doesn't take it quite as seriously as I do. He, he might have had a 5-0 here or there. His MDGO moniker was Diamond Hog. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's it's definitely like he, he plays a lot less than I do. I don't think he really is playing right now either. So, um, Well, I'll keep an eye out for Diamond Hog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe for a future bonus. Okay, last, last question for the lightning round. What's your favorite piece of MTG slang? Yeah, so this one's really, really hard. Uh, <laughs> I have, I have two answers for you. So my first answer, the first thing that I thought of isn't actually magic slang. It's more of like a literary reference that people use in regards to magic. So people always say, oh, it's like two ships passing in the night. Mm-hmm. And I really mm-hmm. like that. I like, I feel like that's a really cool thing that we've like brought back this, this phrase is like, I think it's like, I want to say it's like Longfellow. Um, it's like really old literature reference. And it's like really cool that, we use it in regards to magic, um, but that's not really slang. And so the more I thought about it, the one that came to mind that is like actual slang, not just like something people use to talk about magic, is the term serenade. I don't know if you've, are you familiar with that one? I don't think so. So this is like, this is old magic. This is like, we're like digging in to get to this one. So serenade is like when you are, I guess now it would be like Discord, but it used to be like magic forms, okay? Mm-hmm. And I remember like, those. Oh yeah. I got my start on MTG Salvation. So this is, this is where I'm familiar with the term. I think it comes from something even older, but I'm not really sure. Um, so it's like, if someone asks a question or maybe you're just talking about the same thing and let's say you're like typing out the response you're ready to go and then i say the same thing a second before you and i put it in mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's kind of like a tilting and it's not even like really about magic but i think it came from this like i don't know just like that niche culture that doesn't really exist anymore like mtg salvation's dead and i think it comes from an even older form it's really just discord but I don't know, like the Taxes Discord is full of all these people who I've been interacting with for, you know, over a decade at this point. And uh, I think one of them was the first one that I apparently just kept serenathing. And so it's it's near and dear to my heart. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm going to start noticing this everywhere, I think, or at least that term come up. And it was, it's probably an example of one of those things that because I didn't understand it, I 
didn't like register it when I saw it in print somewhere. Uh huh. Okay. Before we get into the real meat of this spaghetti and meatball podcast, I want to learn a little bit more about you from a high level. Maybe people don't really know the player behind the spider space moniker. How did you first get into magic? What was your origin story? Yeah. So I have been playing forever. I, 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 I say this, you know, I already mentioned my brother. So that was actually my intro to magic. I was like probably seven years old and so he's an older brother, right? So classic, he's, you know, he's playing magic and I'm just a kid. And he's like, all right, we're going to give you this bad deck while I play my favorite one and stomp you into the ground. <laughs> so that was, that was how I first started playing. Uh, I didn't really you know, it was very much kitchen table magic for a long time. I bought like fat packs. It wasn't like commander. No, it was like, I bought a fat pack. We sat around my buddies and I, and not even draft. We just like made bad decks from those probably poorly. And we're like, all right, you know, I got a, a like a sapperling deck or something ridiculous. Um, so that was how I, I started. I probably got into FNMs as a teenager. I want to say like I played standard when Delver was a thing. Um, that was like my first serious standard. So like Innistrad standard? Yeah, Delver on the Innistrad side, not the Zendikar side. Right. Um, and so actually, yeah, I started like com- first like pseudo competitive. Not you know FNM's not that competitive, but for me it was a step up at the time. Um, and it, I like made a bad version of Delver where I had like the exalted land, so I was like, my Delver's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> What was the era of Magic when you were playing the kitchen table stuff with your brother? Yeah, uh, so Sapperlings there would have been like Future Sight stuff. Okay, um, okay. That's kind of what I was talking about. But um, I remember lots of like Kamigawa stuff. I don't know, I had one of those world, it's like the World Series decks. Like they had these like exclusive decks. I had like the affinity list that won something in France and like, I don't know. It's like quite an old thing. Yeah. I still have that lying around somewhere, like gold bordered ornithopters. Right on, with those like black backs instead of the usual MTG. Yeah, backs. yeah, like yeah. black and red for this particular one. I noticed that your earliest goldfish results date back to about 2015. Mm-hmm. Was that sort of the turning point of when you began playing more high level magic? Yeah. Or... So I got into modern. A little bit before then, um, basically the way that happened, there were some guys at the local university who just, I mean, it was still like kitchen table but some of them had actually like played more high-level magic. Like one of the guys would bring just actual legacy decks, but you know, it was like a five-person free-for-all. So it doesn't really matter that you're on a legacy deck when there's that many other people. It's like not commander, but commander-esque, I guess. Um, and he had a, a legacy death and taxes deck. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And I was like, oh, I got to figure that out. And then I saw the price tag on legacy. And I was like, not doing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so about that time, it was like, I want to play modern, but there wasn't really a modern scene here. And uh, my brother got MTGO. And so again, he was like, all right, I'm going to like push you into this. And it's funny because he doesn't really play now, but I'm like, all right, yeah, MTGO, put it in my veins. <laughs> Um, what was the first MTGO like success that you had that you remember or really stuck out to you? Is it that 
like earliest 2015 goldfish results or does it go even before that? I, I don't know if I like could tell you, you know, it was March the 3rd or something like that. Um, but probably right around there, I was playing the, so the leagues didn't exist at that point. They were dailies. So they were scheduled and you just like jumped in. Um, you know, I think they were like four rounds a lot of the time. So I was trying to port legacy taxes and of course Caracas didn't exist so I had to like untap Mangaro with Manamo and I, I had like terrible terrible deck lists um, but yeah probably right around there I mean we all have some terrible deck lists even in our MTG Goldfish history occasionally <laughs> that's why I can't run for public office like that's that's the dirt that they'll find on me the, the random stuff I've registered in like Pioneer Standard Tournament <laughs> I mean for me, it's like I was still playing taxes, and they like nobody likes it, not yeah. then or now, even if it's well built now. <laughs> What's the origin of the Spider Space moniker? Yeah, so when I got the MTGO thing again, man, I'm like surprised how much I'm talking about my brother. I didn't expect that to be how this went. Uh, so he made his, and was like, ah, like so Diamond Hog is a David Bowie reference. And he's mm -hmm. like, all right, you got to go for like a David Bowie reference. And I like did it overly convoluted. So I was like, Ooh, like spiders from Mars, spiders in space, spider space. So that, right. that was the idea that it's like pretty unintuitive that it's connected to that. But that, that was what I was trying to do. <laughs> did you, did you like think about your branding as, as a competitor at that point? Or is it just kind of, blind luck that it's stuck and now people know you as spider essentially uh probably blind luck i don't know i i like don't mind the connection to david bowie like i like that i uh a friend of mine when we were first getting to know each other he couldn't remember my name and he thought that i looked like david bowie so he's like, mm -hmm. he was a french guy so, so he'd be like bowie and, <laughs> and so like i don't know i guess there's a there's a connection there and i i do like him quite a bit as an artist so i'm i'm, I'm definitely fine with it yeah could be worse artists to to name be named after that's for sure i'm, I'm glad i didn't go for like something I, I really liked as like a 13 year old or something um smash mouther right exactly <laughs> <laughs> um what do you do outside of magic like are there other games or hobbies that you're particularly involved in do you have like uh, a vocation or career that you know is near and dear to your heart yeah uh so i used to play a lot of starcraft um i don't anymore it's been quite a while i i actually like played on like the korean server and was like mm -hmm. top diamond at one point on the korean server which is like not you know it's not like grandmaster but it's it's like pretty good that, that's impressive yeah um and at, at that time i was in at university and i think i had finals and i couldn't play for two weeks and then when i came back i like mentally knew what i needed to do but when i tried to execute it i just couldn't do it fast enough anymore mm -hmm. and i it just kind of like went all downhill from there i was like well i'm not I don't know, it just requires so much time to put into it to, like, remain at that level. Whereas, you know, if you don't play Magic for a little while, you're, you're certainly rusty, but it's not quite the same. You know, you don't, you don't need to have, like, 300 actions per minute. Right. You, you, you can, like, pause and, like, all right, I'm going to, like, think about it a little bit. Um, yeah. 
Also that's called macros, right? Like that's what the RTS kids call it, like their <laughs> finger movements. Well, a, a macro, you can like set up a macro to like do that for you. Like some people will do little cheaty things on MTGO. Like I don't want to click my spike feeder fast enough. Uh-huh. So they like set it up and then it just like clicks and gains them 500 life. Yeah. Um, oh, I've done if that. I'm doing it, if, I, if I'm doing it, I'm clicking it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, outside of that, I don't know. I I've been like on and on, on and off thinking about going to law school, but it's been one of those like Ugh, just like put it back further. Which yeah, um, it's funny. I, I once told sort of another magic friend of mine. If you're familiar with with Holy Diva, who used to play modern and For now sure. doesn't, um, and I think she like flamed at me one time and like had known that I'd said that at one point and was like, oh, it makes such sense that you're a taxes player and you want to go to law school. And I, she was like trying to be insulting, and I thought it was hilarious, which is probably why we became friends. Because I was like, "Ha, yeah, that's probably true." <laughs> I love it. So I'm in Chicago, and our community here has like a crazy amount of overlap among like magic players who happen to be lawyers. Huh. And, and I wonder if there's something about like the methodical rules, like engine behind the game, that's really appealing to people who like like want to bend their mind in that way I will even say, professionally you know it does make some sense like you magic is very specific like words matter a ton and and like how they're ordered exactly what they are which you know that's not like all that law is about but there's definitely there's a through line i think totally okay i want to talk about modern and i have a really big question to kick us off on this format topic spider what's up with you and white decks <laughs> so that this is a little unfair all right <laughs> it's not just me and white decks it is specifically me and taxes so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving you a little more origin so my, my first two modern decks i already talked about taxes it was like blue white taxes and then it was i also played affinity I actually like affinity was my other first modern deck and I like tried to make it bad with like main deck dark confidants and stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I think the reason I, I keep coming back to taxes is because I, at, a, at heart I'm a brewer. Okay. And taxes had all these different shells. It wasn't like a tier one deck, but it could compete. And so there was just so much room to explore. And I feel like that, just let me you know there's like so much to think about there and now you know I, I brew all kinds of other stuff and I'll play other things too um you know it, it it I'm not always doing that I think people think of me and they're like oh he only plays taxes which is super not true um but I do like the card Thalia Garden Guardian of Thraben so I think it's just like it's like branded on my forehead or something <laughs> When do you think that started? Like, was it because Thalia was printed and what is it like Dark Ascension or something? And you kind of stuck with it ever since? Or is it about like the play style of Taxes decks that kind of make you think about the game in a specific way that other strategies don't do? Yeah. So Taxes has been called a meta deck a lot. And it's about, you know, adapting to what your opponent's doing. And it's one of these decks. And I, mind you, this is true for any deck in Magic, but I think it's particularly true for a deck like taxes in that you need to know what your opponent's doing and you need to know the best way to not let them do that 
So it's not quite like control where I get to counter your thing and I know I need to know what to counter. I need to know how to not let you even get to that card. So like if you're ever having trouble with a certain matchup, the best advice is go play that deck a bunch mm-hmm. and then you'll know how it functions. And so I, I feel like it was a great starting deck for me and I think it is for anyone who has the dedication to like to lose and to learn from it because it makes you a better magic player. I think a lot more so than like, I mean, I, I'm not going to throw a particular deck under the bus. Um, Burn is not a deck that necessarily forces you to understand all the nuances that other strategies will have. Like burn kind of does the burn thing, mm-hmm. right? Or, or affinity once upon a time, like mm-hmm. non, non-interactive aggro decks. I feel like taxes is, would be a really challenging deck for someone who's either new to magic or even new to modern to pick up just because like knowing when like your Thalia is important or knowing when your um, Leon and Arbiter is like the best card in your deck. Like there's a lot of format knowledge that goes into that. Yeah. Well, it's all about, for me, I mean, the way I like to learn things is I, I jump in the deep end, right? So it's like, I, I don't think there's a better way to do it. Um, and I don't particularly think that like hand holding with it is like that helpful of like i don't know like i could give someone a tron deck who's probably played standard and never played modern and like they might do decently you know they're gonna miss some edges there are like you should draw first or you know do all these things but you know you just like turn three car or worm coil or whatever and that, that just like wins games yeah um whereas like if you don't know what's going on you're like i guess i'm gonna play it two minute two one like all right uh, it has first strike <laughs> it sure does <laughs> uh quick side note when i can't play taxes when i can't brew my like secret this is like the dark side of me is i love to jam combo decks so like when i can't not let you combo mm-hmm. i'm gonna be the most degenerate comboer <laughs> so like lately taxes is not great positioned in modern right now i was like trying to brew these different decks they were like going okay but not great and then all of a sudden i was playing oops and i'm like all right mm-hmm. like turn three you're dead who cares what you're doing right <laughs> are there any like specific decks or maybe even iterations on taxes that like have picked up after you had success with them in a modern challenge and people kind of started to notice that you can approach like either uh otherwise previously known deck or maybe a previously unknown deck that like kind of dates back to you yeah absolutely i i think that there's like a long pretty long list and and some of it is like kind of debatable i think sometimes a lot of people will be thinking about the same thing at the same time totally. so like for instance when stormwing entity was printed to my knowledge i was one of the first people's like all right i'm gonna jam this in blue red prowess which isn't like the most like outlandish thing in the world to do but i was one of the people working on it and same with hammer time um Right so, you know, like, neither of those are, like, mine, but I, I contributed. Um, yeah. Probably the most, like, me thing out there was the deck, um, as I call it, Thalia Stompy, which is the deck with Simeon Spirit Guide, Chalice, Thalia, Eldrazi stuff. Um, and we, I... We loved talking about that deck when it was, like, coming up a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, it was a good deck, like... And and I would do very well with it. And I was consistent, like one of the only people who was like, no, I'm going to play this thing. Um, I remember there was a pro tour at that time that was in modern and like Phoenix is one of the best decks. And I was like, 
yeah, like destroy Phoenix with this yeah. thing. And I had people who were on the Pro Tour like, hey, like, can you give me sideboarding tips for Thalia Stompy? And I was like, nice. Like, yeah, yeah, I can. <laughs> um, what do you think about a deck like Taxes in a metagame like what we're about to see, you know, in the first couple weeks of a format shakeup in like what's about to happen because of Modern Horizons 2? Like, would you register a deck like Taxes? with or without new cards, knowing that, like, you might run into something completely unpredictable because people are either trying to break the format with new cards or testing new technology that you're not as familiar with? So I have a, like, fairly elaborate answer to this. Uh, I guess number one is it, it's it's going to depend on what the stakes are. Like, if I'm just playing a league, I, I, don't, I don't care at all. Uh, <laughs> if I'm yeah. playing a, a challenge, even, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. If it's, like... A showcase or something like a high-level tournament, maybe not. Um, but when the new format comes out, I'm I want to be one of the people like on the front lines doing new cool things. So I have new cool brews of taxes that I'm absolutely going to be jamming in the new format. And yes, I can't like meta game perfectly with it or whatever. You know, it's not quite like control where you know like oh I didn't have like the right cyber plan. Like it is a little more proactive. Um, it is still punishing, but it's it's a little bit less punishing. Um, and also, I think sometimes you just want to see like how your deck feels. It doesn't really matter like so much. Like, oh, I lost to this thing that you know nobody's doing yet, but it's going to be the thing. It's like, okay, cool. Like, I learned from that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's fine. Um, I'm not. I'm probably not going to play like my stock seventy five or. I guess 95 Yorion. <laughs> right, uh, right. I'm probably not going to play that in a league. I, I don't, I mean, you could and you'd do fine, but I, it's just not that interesting to me. Like, that's not how I'm going to gather my data, I guess. For sure. What are you liking in MH2 for taxes? Like, even from a, a, a th- as a thought experiment? Yeah. So I think that the big thing that this is going to do is going to shake it up so that taxes is no longer just definitively mono white i think that we've gotten a lot of tools lately where the other variants that used to be like you know you used to play like white black ent was like super popular mm-hmm. I, I just think that deck is strictly worse than mono white right now mm-hmm. um and that's true of a lot of the different splashes but i think that in particular the printing of imperial recruiter changes a lot of things cool. um having said that it's not like really taxes it's like kind of i mean it is but it's like mid-range toolbox pile taxes like thalia is still in the deck but you're gonna have to cut leonin arbiter and like i'm gonna be um the other card and this would be red white or mono white because i think that's the divergent thing is s uh esper sentinel i think that card is really really good right on um and then of course the white force i like i guess i should kind of say leonin arbiter is our best worst card <laughs> and it, it always has been yeah um you know sometimes it's just a two mana two two like doesn't even have first strike man you know <laughs> and right. it's easier to play around it's all, all all of these things um and like sometimes it, it's really the only like free win card in the deck but um you know we got stoneforge mystic and there's a non-bow there and having impure recruiter as well means it's too big of a non-bow 
Um, and you know, the, the, the one bad thing is like, oh, I can't like path you anymore. Like, I don't want to give you a land, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have like the white invocation, which is right. swords. And yeah. I have Esper Sentinel to make up for the card adva- disadvantage as well as the, the recruiter. So I think there's like a, a really strong red, white shell and it is less like taxi than just like classic mono white things, but does going red for recruiter open up any other tech that like you haven't been able to explore in the past because there wasn't as strong of an incentive to splash red? Like, would you just play bolt now? I mean, so <laughs> being able to explore it and me exploring it aren't the same thing. I should say right. <laughs> like basically any flavor of taxes that's out there, I have tried at some point or another. So should I have been playing red white taxes? No. Did I? Yes. <laughs> um, so Bolt is a good option. That's like reasonable sideboard card. Probably the best red card, specifically tied to recruiter, is going to be Magus of the Moon, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to help make up for losing Arbiter. Mm-hmm. Um, Season Pyromancer is also a fantastic card in in Death and Taxes. It, like those two cards are the reason to be in red. And now you don't even have to run a bunch of them. You just like, hey, like, you know, throw it in there. You recruit it. Sick. It, is recruiter an automatic four of? I, I've never played with the card, right? Like, I mostly play modern uh, and some historic too. So like, it's such a powerful enabler. I know it's has like a lot of play in in legacy. Do you play it like the full playset every time? Is it a all or none type of card? So, no. Uh, if you were on 60 cards, I wouldn't play four. I would probably play three, maybe even two. But I also think that the card itself, as well as what it's getting, incentivizes you to want to play flicker strategies, which means all the more reason to play Yorion. And if I'm playing Yorion, then yes, I want four, because four and 80 looks like three and 60. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What do you think about modern horizons 2 from a philosophical perspective like are you excited about the amount of like shakeup that a set like this causes does it bother you that the format like could potentially rotate and never look the same after a set like this uh i really like mh2 uh, i i think that the cards are all really well designed it feels like they put a lot of thought into almost everything um, you know, there's no like obvious like this is the Hogak of MH2, and may- maybe we'll have that you know yeah. here in what is it tomorrow that it goes online? Uh, <laughs> I think you can you can open it in chests today, but they're hard to find still. Right, um, and you know MDGO moves really fast. So, like once there's a broken deck, it, it spreads like wildfire. But um, I'm I'm like kind of sick of modern right now, and I, I know like a lot of people really like it. I think it's really healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's just the strategies that I like, but I, I just find it really oppressive of like, I like Lava Dart destroy, like it's like soft banning X ones between Lava Dart and Renin six. Yeah. And, uh, and then on top of that, you have to be ready for your opponent to have infinite life. And mm-hmm. so it's like similar to how it was when Uro was around where you're kind of like in a rock between a rock and a hard place with those two archetypes. Um, I enjoyed that format a little bit more, even though those were busted cards. I'm glad they're gone. I think MH2 will shake it up a lot, and I'm very ready for it to be shaken up because I'm, I'm kind of like 
sick of like all right like um, you know it, it's not the same in a league you play a league you play against whatever but if you're trying to play in actual tournaments like oh, i'm gonna play play against like five rounds of blue red prowess um and you know like that made me make i don't know if you saw it floating around so it was like this jess guy through the breach deck with uh oh, yeah. indomitable creativity yeah um so not, right or no no the modern plays emerical yeah <laughs> The one I'm talking about is is Breach and Creativity for Emrakul. The other one right. was was Velimachus. I liked the spaghetti package more. Um, so I was like working on that deck. I, to my knowledge, I was like the main one pushing that. Not you know Velimachus is like similar, but um, and that deck was cool. You know you you turn forward Emrakul very often because you had eight copies of the thing and you like had the whole. Um, Prismari commands you like either targeted the token or the dwarf mm-hmm. depending if they had interaction or you like sacked the treasure and breached them and deck was sweet but when you get to like actual high level play it's like oh you know like I have four path four bolt like a bunch of these shock command things and I'm consistently emrakuling you and then prowess is like huh. like nope you're dead like yeah. you know here's a spell pierce and uh, oh by the way lava darts free on that dwarf there so <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there is no turn four against prowess it feels like sometimes yeah yeah i mean they they can turn through you no it, like i you know i i played some ad nauseum again because i was like oh like maybe this does things now and it was like they would turn three me and i'm like but you know like i'd play a frexen on life and then by i have been dealt like 30 damage by turn three before it's like what like that's yeah. insane I mean, you did pretty okay with Through the Breach recently. I, I'm looking at a list where you came in top 16 in a modern challenge with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the list was like a solid choice. I don't think it was like the best choice. Um, and, and this is an issue for me. Like, I don't, I often don't want to play the best deck. Like, I just, I don't know what it is. I just like don't really want to do it. Yeah. Um, I have to have like a very good reason to do it. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, I want to like try to make something that beats the best decks. Um, that's just like how I think about the game, and it's it's to my detriment. Like it, it definitely is to my detriment. The, the the only time that I've qualified for the pro tour was when I played the best deck, which was the, the Valky deck, and I was like, oh, like whatever, just beat everybody, cool. Like, um, which was like six rounds of Valky mirrors. Um, but. Okay, let's talk about content because you produce a ton of it, and more and more every day. It seems like. <laughs> Some people might know you as a streamer. Um, your Spider Space MTG on Twitch, I believe, or is it just Spider Space? Just Spider Space on Twitch. What drew you into Twitch in the first place, and, and how long have you been like producing con- video content like that? Um, it's been on and off. I I'm actually at kind of a weird spot with that. So I, I started it. Man, I don't even know what year that was. Maybe it was like 2017 around there when I started doing Twitch stuff. And I think it was just like, I was playing a lot of taxes and I was like talking to other people in that community. And it was like, like we would love to like see your play and like be a cool thing. So it started just as like a sort of in community thing. And then I was just like, Hey, like, I think I like this. I think I'm going to do this more. And I, I never really like made like a serious run at like, can I be a successful streamer until this last winter? And I, I really like tried to push myself. Like I have a huge issue with just, streaming like consistently at this time it like makes it feel like a job 
mm-hmm. and I, I I was unemployed for the moment, so it was like, all right, I, like I have this moment, it's cool, I'm gonna try it, and I, I put out a lot of videos, or I, I I don't really do YouTube stuff at the moment, just I just haven't gotten around to it, but I streamed a lot during that time, and I, I think I realized like I don't think I can do that full time. It just like didn't fit for me, so now I'm at the like, oh, I'll just make a thing whenever I feel like it, which is not great for Twitch, yeah. but the, the the running joke is that like it's very exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, your new podcast, Mishra's Babble? You started this with the last modern streamer, Fran, <laughs> aka Ice. Mm-hmm. Not actually the last modern streamer, but I love that moniker. Uh, and Everos, the aforementioned Evan. Mm-hmm. What what was the origins of that? Like, what inspired you to get into podcasting? Yeah, this is actually really funny. Uh, so, I think it was Fran who wanted to do another podcast, and I, I've actually known Fran longer than Evan. Um, I've like run into him at GPs, and I don't know, he's just been like around in the same spheres as me for longer. Um, but I also became fast friends with Evan, and have done like a ton of co-streams with him. Um, and I think what happened was Fran actually asked Evan if he wanted to do a podcast and Evan was like, sure. Like, and they didn't really know what they wanted to do. And so it was like, I guess we'll have spider on as a guest question mark for the first episode. So I wasn't actually planned to be like the, like one of the main members or like a, 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 you know, mainstay in the podcast. And then we did it and it was like, oh. Well, that went really well. This feels good. Do you want to just like stay on? That's what they asked me. I'm like, sure. So yeah. here we are. <laughs> do you, do you make goals for yourself as a content producer? Like whether it's the stream, whether it's a, the podcast. Like, are you trying to hit a certain benchmark, or is it just kind of like a place to hang with friends while making something? I think I did. I did have benchmarks. I did have goals. I, when I was like really trying to grow the stream. And I feel like since realizing that, like, hey, this is more of, like, a hobby thing and I just, like, enjoy doing this, um, it's kind of shifted as more of, like, I'm, like, hanging out with folks. And, like, you know, if I'm making content, I want to make it as good as I can make it. But I think it's just a little bit of a shift in goals and, like, how I not just view streaming, but but how I view magic. I, I, I think, like, this last... So I, I mentioned being on the Pro Tour is the only time I've, I've been on it once. And it was very recently, you know, they had the whole shakeup super recently with that as well. But um, I don't know. I, I just came away from that feeling super kind of like deflated actually about the game. Um, like, after the MPL announcement? No, after after the Pro Tour that I was in. Um, and it was just, I don't know. I, I feel like some of the top level play feels a little bit clicky and, you know, I wanted to test with folks and nobody really wanted to do that. And I like ended up finding some other people who were in a similar boat as me. It was a little bit frustrating of like, oh, like you just, you know, I'm not like in the in group, despite the fact that I feel like I like live and breathe magic and have for quite a long time. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was on arena and it just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it, it kind of like lost some of the magic for me, no pun intended. Um, but, that was like a huge goal for me as for a really long time. Like, Oh, I really want to be on the pro tour. I'm going to get there. And I, I got there through, I would say probably the hardest way, which is MTGO. Like I, I right. think there are a lot easier ways to do it. And, 
you know, like they had a page of like, how do you qualify? And the way I did it wasn't even listed. It was just other. And I just felt very like, like, what am I doing? Like, it just feels like I did this cool thing and it just like doesn't matter. And then I'm like not in the in group. So it's like, oh, I like tried really hard and I managed to do it. And now I'm like not qualified for the next one. So I'm kind of like back where I started. And it's like, I know that I can play at the level that is necessary for that. But I mean, it even had me playing, like, I don't like playing on arena and yeah. I don't really like standard was fine. But I really didn't like getting into historic. And mm-hmm. so it was just a lot of like, like what, you know, if I'm not enjoying it, what, what am I doing? Yeah. How, how did you get out of that? Like, it looks like you're back to loving magic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny. So I had like kind of a burnout and then I had like a hot streak where I like won the mana traders qualified for the pro tour. And I was like, yeah. And then I like came off of that with the PT ending and just kind of like, and, like back into burnout mode. And mm-hmm. then I like found this Jeskai deck and was like, it's like hard for me to like turn off the brewer part of my brain of like, Ooh, like what can you do with this? How does this work? Um, and so that kind of like got me engaged again. And then like MH2 spoilers started happening. And I'm like, well, I can't be mad at it if there's all these cool things to do right around the corner. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like back to being hooked. <laughs> does producing content, whether it's video or audio, does it kind of like help you get excited or does it become a chore when like you're not like gung ho about where the game is at in a given period? I think it depends. So I, I've been really happy with, with the podcast stuff. I'm just enjoying it. It's cool getting into it. Um, I think for the stream when I was like trying to make myself do it all the time, that started to feel more like a chore. And when I kind of like let that go of like, Hey, I'll just like do this when I want to do this. It's made it a lot more enjoyable for me. Um, and so it's not in that realm anymore. Um, I don't know. Like I haven't, I haven't streamed like this last chunk of time because I'm like MH2s around the corner is kind of lame duck format. It's not interesting to me. And like maybe people would hang out, probably people would hang out in my stream, but I, I just don't feel like doing it. So I'm not. And mm-hmm. because I'm not forcing myself to do it, I'm having a good time. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, when modern became a lame duck format, like in the last three or four weeks, I started to feel like that's when historic was really popping off because like we got a historic anthology five and it's like all these and, and we're still reckoning with um, the mystical archive from Strixhaven, which was inexplicably added to the format. <laughs> um, so like it felt like one of the things that I love about the bevy of non-rotating formats we have available to us right now is just like if one is feeling stale, not infrequently something exciting is happening like in the other direction. And even though Historic doesn't exactly have a taxes deck yet, <laughs> there is this green-white company deck that's just like, if you squint, it's close. It's somewhere between taxes <laughs> and humans, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, I, I talked about like not really enjoying Historic. I think it was just, you know, it was like, oh, John Sacrifice everywhere. Right. Um, and I didn't do that. I, I like made my own deck that was like a GPG deck that was white-black, and so you'd like get back apparitions. And I like, actually did decently with it decently well um but it's just tough for me getting into arena because it it feels like the the economy system is just not something i really like and it's really really hard to like oh like i 
like unlocked a deck and now I want to like make another one because I like to brew, but I just mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for that, they gave me like the pseudo God account to test on and then it was taken away. And now it's like, you know, I actually think there's a lot of interesting things going on there. Maybe they're busted, but like, I know you've got like brainstorm and faithless soothing and all these like super powerful things. And I was like, Ooh, that kind of looks cool. And I thought about brewing for a minute and I was like, yeah, I'm just like not willing to like grind it or like put in the money to do it. And so I guess I'm not doing it. Yeah. I mean, did you know you can play on the toilet on your iPhone? <laughs> it's a Does game changer. Change anything? Yeah. It changes a lot. <laughs> it makes going to the bathroom much more fun and frequent for me. <laughs> and then get in there like, ooh, like I could play a best of one. <laughs> yeah. Uh honey, I'm I'm gonna be in here for a while. <laughs> um what did you feel after the MPL announcement? Like it, it feels like old news now, but mm-hmm. you know, for someone at your level, I, I don't remember how the timing of that was relative to the, the last pro tour, but I imagine like that's gotta change like how you think about the future of the game and your role within it it does um I mean, and, and so really f- just like organized play in general like mm-hmm. what, what do you work for now when you're a player at your caliber i don't i don't know um i i think that's that's kind of the hard part is like a lot of people just they don't they don't know um thankfully a lot of the mtgo events still exist so like there is still that high co- high caliber play and I mean, I, I think MTGO like high level events are like some of the highest level skill you like, players you can play against. Period. Just like, um, like I, I feel like consistently these high level MTGO things are like where I was at for PT day two, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Like I like that, but yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, I think I used to be excited. Like I, I would go to GPS and. I'd probably be some level of the old pro system. Like maybe I'd be like a silver level pro now. I'm not really sure, but I, I think I would have broken through that, that threshold. I was like close to getting, I think it was like my first buy um, when, when they stopped doing that stuff on the GP circuit. Um, well, and I guess also like the coronavirus hit, but, um, and I don't play paper. So like I, the only paper I play is GPs. So it was just me playing a bunch of GPs. I was getting yeah. that. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of like feeling a little bit let down of like I'm just not being rewarded for like how I want to play the game, and that's kind of frustrating. Of like it would be a lot more rewarding for me to compete if I wanted to play an arena, but because I don't, it it makes it a lot more difficult. Um, I don't know. If, if once they bring back something, hopefully they bring back something. Uh, I, I'm definitely still like gonna play events, and if they end up queuing me for a pro tour that's not modern, I'm still gonna probably go and do it, even if I don't enjoy it that much. That's just kind of the nature of it. It's like if there's a high level event and you put it in front of me, I'm like, oh, I gotta play that. <laughs> for sure. All right, we we have a little extra time. I, I want to talk about cards some more, um, especially Modern Horizons two. Would you mind if like it completely upends the format forever? And like the thing that I like about modern right now is that every once in a while, someone will just win with like a boomer blue white control deck with like four celestial colonnades and no new cards otherwise. <laughs> um, and it kind of feels like unlike the previous set where there's a lot of power kind of injected into 
a pretty small pool of cards. Here, at least like early on, all we're doing is really evaluating cards off their mm-hmm. Oracle text. Like it feels like there's power really spread out, mm-hmm. which kind of like maybe forces rotation for lack of a better word. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Or do you not even think about it? I don't know that I think about it like rotating the format. I mean, you know, usually there's only so many cards you get to think about from a new set, right? But with fire design, like we've had so many such strong cards that they impact formats going way back. Like you've got Renin Six and Oko Band and Legacy. Like, I mean, Legacy should be this format that's like, oh, super high power level. Like cards don't usually impact it that much. And it's like, nope, nope, they did and they do. Um, So it doesn't feel that unusual to me anymore it's just nice that there's no like one like all right i'm gonna be playing against uro over Mm -hmm. and over like it it feels like there's a lot of options and i think that 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 makes it interesting you know we we've seen them breathe life into old archetypes that needed it you know like i as much as i'm mad about uh the the what is it, Rishadan Dockhand? Like, I, I hate that that card exists and that it's blue because it means that I didn't get a port effect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Merfolk needed that love. And maybe, maybe like, a Jund Hierarch was needed for these cool decks. Like, Yawgmoth got a bunch of tools. And the only place you see that right now is in Tom Ross's hands. Right. So it's... I, I think it's cool. I don't think that these, like old decks of your disappearing i think like you know maybe i don't know if you agree with me that some people just extremely varied takes on the card subtlety the, the blue pitch card totally i yeah. think that that card is good in control i think i could make a blue white control deck that is extremely competitive with it um so you know i'm not going to put celestial colonnade in my deck but that doesn't mean that i can't play like old school blue white control for sure. Yeah, I'm excited for subtlety and tapping out for Chase the Mind Sculptor with impunity forever. Yeah. Yeah, you got you got force and subtlety up. Like <laughs> what, more, what more could you ask for? Honestly, maybe even blue white control finally starts playing ephemerate so that you can play like both the blue and the white like elemental creatures as well as Stoneforge. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I I I don't I'm not a believer. I, I don't even know if they can play the white force because they don't have that many white cards unless they like go down the rabbit hole of like you know i i kind of view um stone blade like blue white stone blade as a little bit of a different deck but for sure um that could play the white force but i think yeah. as it stands maybe they can't i don't know it's it's super complicated because like white the white force doesn't actually require the same math as like you know to use a classic pitch card force of will because mm-hmm. you don't need to answer the card on the stack uh so in theory you can draw the white card later and use it later and it's fine. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Like, I don't know what that means. The number should be, but it means that there's something is different <laughs> for sure. Spider. This was such a pleasure. I I'm so glad I finally got to pick your brain and to see that you're a real person, not just like some God mode MTGO grinder who like <laughs> constantly appears on Goldfish and in the MTGO decklist website. Where can other people find you? Whether it's your stream, your podcast, your your Twitter memes. Yeah, uh, I mean, first of all, I'm I'm a little bit like I'm 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 happy to have been here. This was great, but also I kind of am sad. It's like oh, like I could have been this like 
MTGO ghost just haunting you. Like, that sounds great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash spiderspace. Uh, just like those words, sound, spider, space. There's no, there is no space. See, I, I like mess myself up with this every time. Um, and then it's spiderspace MTG on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the podcast is Mishra's Babble, which should be available on most uh, places you can find a podcast. I don't think it's on Apple podcast stuff right now, um, but it is on Spotify, Anchor, etc., etc. Sweet. I mean, coming from the heart, I think Babble is awesome. Podcasts come and go. Sometimes they have really bad sound quality. Sometimes it sounds like the hosts of those shows don't know what they're doing. I think even on the dive down sounds like we don't know what we're doing, but we have a good editor who fixes that for us. Um, but you guys came out swinging with just like great content, really great audio quality, which just like goes a super long way. A lot of people don't think about. And I think if anyone who listens to the dive down wants more modern content from esteemed players that is an aspiring spike who's on our show like once a month, then <laughs> Mishra's Babble is a, a great show to check out. And we'll have a link to that and all of Spider's other stuff in the show notes for this episode. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, I, I think we're, we're going to have to get Aspiring Spike on over on our show as well at some point here. I mean, it, it'll like fold in the earth. Like it's a lot of brains, a lot of big <laughs> brains about magic all at once. Here, One last question about Babel, as long as we're on this topic. Um, from what I know about you, Evan and Fran, the three of you approach magic and modern from pretty different perspectives. Like you guys have different tastes in decks what's it like working with people who like love the same formats that you do, but kind of have fun in different ways and approach it differently? Uh, I mean, there definitely ends up being a little bit of like, uh, you know, banter kind of thing sometimes. Um, you know, it's like, a, I'll be like, Ooh, this is a taxes card. And the friend's like, a taxes card, you know? Um, but I, I think that's kind of the whole point. Um, like that that's the whole thing like that's why i think it's it makes for a, a good conversation because we have such different takes like a fran will say something and it like blows my mind because i, I don't even think about the game in that way and mm-hmm. then on the flip side i think i'll be like oh you know like you know i'll say something is playable in a deck of like oh i think i said urza's saga looked good in hammer and both of them were like wait what like you can do that and so i i think it's it's really cool and, and they're also both you know like my friends so we've, we've all been in the modern community for so long hanging out in each other's streams discords all the things that even gps is like yeah like it's just we're just hanging out awesome and hopefully there can be more of that for a long time i i'm excited to see where mishra's babble goes from here all right spider thank you again real genuine pleasure hopefully we can have you back on one day um, now that I know you're a real person. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to. This was great. That wraps up this bonus episode of The Dive Down. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the show wherever you download podcasts. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. Heck, we even have a YouTube channel, but it's just the audio. No real videos there. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thedivedown. You can also support us while playing Magic with a Mana Trader subscription. If you sign up with coupon code THEDIVEDOWN2021, all one word, 
you'll get 15% off your first two months of a Magic Online subscription. Play with new MH2 cards while the format is still fresh. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Space Blood for letting us use their music. Of course, a final thank you to Spider Space for being on this episode. And until next time, get out there and be good at magic!